All right, and we're live. Surprise, surprise. The Loopcast is live at an unusual time. It is Wednesday. We are live at 11 a.m. Eastern time. The reason I'm saying this is we're making some changes. So we're going to move the show on Monday to 11 a.m. Eastern time because uh, I was starving by the time we got to the end of (laughs) the noon show. So for my own uh, food purposes we're changing it no just for a few reasons basically monday well, eric is eating for two so shut up yeah. come on man. I have you should have a little more sympathy for pregnant people <laughs> Josh, pregnant you persons to, you're weaponizing my rhetoric against me because i just made fun of you before for complaining about a headache and erica's literally about to give birth and they're mm-hmm. like oh you can't say that for a pregnant person and you just flipped it as soon as i turned the live on that's nefarious disgusting you say save it for the show tom you tell me <laughs> save it for the show save it I do indeed. You but did. yes, so we'll be live uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern on Monday, Wednesday, and then we're going to do the St. Joseph Consecration live on Friday as well. Just a lot easier on everyone. Um, and then you guys can join along as well. So shout out to the people who showed up to this without us saying anything about it. But in the future, that's what we'll be doing. So if we want to give a little teaser on this show, uh, we have some some interesting topics here. So first off, we had a very, very polarizing, strange, tragic um, self-immolation that happened outside the D.C. Israel Embassy. We're going to get into that. Uh, we're going to get into uh, free speech on social media with the Supreme Court. And then finally, we're going to round it around to President Biden, who I guess, as of we just heard on this recording, is in the hospital. Uh, he, I mean, it makes sense. He's pretty old. Hopefully he makes a, a recovery. But he was just on the late night show and had a lot of interesting comments. And they worked extra hard to make him sound like he was making sense. But we're going to start off here. Erica. Really, really strange thing happened. We got a 25-year-old yeah. tragically just took his own life in a in a very extreme way by by lighting himself on fire. Uh, what's going on with that story? Yeah, so this was Sunday afternoon uh, down in Washington D.C. and right in front of the Israeli embassy, Aaron Bushnell, 25-year-old guy, like you said, out of Massachusetts. He served in the Air Force as a cyber defense specialist since 2020. So he's been in there a while and gradually came to identify himself as a true blood anarchist. So good job screening Air Force for the beliefs of your of your enlistees. Um, so he's an anarchist and he announced that uh, he was going to engage, quote, in an extreme form of protest. And he did not want to be, quote, complicit in genocide. Of course, the genocide he was protesting was um, what he sees as genocide in the Gaza Strip. Uh, And as he so he doused himself with a clear liquid and set himself on fire, shouting free Palestine as he burned himself to death. Very disturbing images and footage there. So, you know. Yeah, warning. There's the warning from YouTube because it, it was really dark. Um, he live streamed it. They're still not sure who was helping him with the live stream um, that has since been taken down. And he died seven hours later of the injuries that he incurred on himself. So the story here, other than this tragic death, and just to be super clear, like, so this was a bad thing to do. This was, suicide is bad. This was, <laughs> I just, there's, there's and, nothing the reason, powerful about taking right, life. Like, this was just, yeah. And I think th- the reason I felt the need to preface with that obvious statement is that the left was applauding this guy and the way that he was being portrayed by some pretty prominent thinkers, uh, including Jill Stein, Cornell West, and Bernie Sanders, who, well, you know, we might have expected that from Bernie, but uh, I mean, they're they're out there saying things like, "This was a you know he was a zeal- he was zealous for a cause. He really believed in in uh, ending the genocide of Gazans and um, the the almost kid gloves with which the mainstream media has had to uh, to present the story because again, he was pro Gaza, anti Israel. Uh, it was very polarizing like you said tom so yeah really well, disturbing there's stuff. a couple there's a there's a couple interesting things in the story i guess a burner account was found not a burner account an account associated with <laughs> no, no pun intended <laughs> not to yeah uh so an account was found where he was making statements about like genocide of jews that kind of thing mm-hmm. um so he'd clearly been radicalized he grew up in a weird a society it's called like a society of jesus the compound. community of jesus up in massachusetts oh yeah. society not not Jesuits, not society. No, not the Society of Jesus. Is a community of Jesus. They're not community Catholic. of Jesus. They're not Catholic. <laughs> we're a Christian cult. And, Understandable uh, mistake. I guess what they were saying was that people from this cult end up going from like because it was such an extreme authoritarian 
cult to another form of extreme discipline in the military. So it's common for them to kind of jump. And a lot of them actually end up becoming like social justice warriors, I guess, mm -hmm. um, because they feel that they were so persecuted within this own community. I'm taking this all from reporting. However, uh, he had like, he'd made some statements, pro-Palestine statements. He'd, he'd made some strange messages, I guess, to his friend, but nothing had indicated that he was going to live stream this. Basically, they were saying that the Israeli embassy said they didn't know who he was. Um, he wasn't like a, a combat person at all. He was in uh, cybersecurity. All very bizarre. Uh, but I guess I mean the thing that Eric is talking about here is the response to it. Of course, the the glorification is strange as well. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I guess like if you really thought you wanted to advance this cause, this is the only way to do it is to murder yourself. I mean, like mm -hmm. find out some politician who's totally against your policy and like throw a pie in his face and then get arrested or something like that. I'm not suggesting you should do that, but I'd rather you do that than kill yourself. I mean, for crying out loud. Right. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know if uh, Nighthawk there or who we have today. We have, Big we have Red. a new producer today. We have a new producer. Hey. We have, we have Big Red. Big welcome, Red is, Big Red. is welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you for, for producing. But did you want something Big Red? Yeah. Yeah. Display? Can we get a uh, Cornell West up there? So this was a tweet from Cornell West. And I, I was, I, you know, Cornell is, I probably disagree with him on 99.9% .9 of everything, but I had been growing in my estimation of him. He'd done a few appearances with Robbie P. George out of Princeton and talking about, you know, left and right coming together and talking. Then he comes up with this tweet. He goes, let us never forget the extraordinary courage and commitment of brother Aaron Bushnell who died for truth and justice. I mean, that is the opposite of what happened here. And for why do I say because no, yeah no I think that it does not like you said Josh if you really believe in a cause and you want to make change killing yourself is not an act of courage it's actually a cop-out because you're saying I'm getting off the wagon here I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bear the consequences of my belief I'm just going to immolate myself do something very very shocking and then I'm dead I'm out of the picture that to me is not courage or commitment well, to see something through to the end. Whoa, hot take Josh. Okay. Um, okay. Well, this is like the thing where they said about the guys who jumped, uh, you know, who orchestrated the whole thing on 9-11. They, they got all the, uh, the training and, and then they get on the airplanes and they drive them into the buildings and, they, and knowing that they're going to kill themselves. It, absolutely 100% truly evil. But they were com they were committed. And like the idea that they weren't, it, it's hard to assign courageous because we always think of that as a positive virtue. But like what they were doing was evil, but like it took some guts. Courage, courage is a powerful, is a, is a positive virtue. What are you talking about? There's nothing courageous about what they did. Okay. So fanatical. Like this fanatical, okay, but like, rash. But like, it's like, it, it, it does involve a significant amount of, I mean, like you're doing something like this, setting yourself on fire. It's like, it's not for the faint of heart. Like you have to like be committed and you have to really believe in it. I think well, it's Or stupid. you have to be mentally deranged, like, or you're just mental, right? Like, okay. But it, he might not be mentally ill. He might just be so fanatically con committed to his cause. He's like, I'm going to set myself on fire or I'm going to take this plane into this building. But it's like, they're not timid, you know, they're, so they are committed. They are steadfast. Who, how so, do we get I mean, here? It's just that we're, we're, we're not disputing committedness. If you want to debate courage, that's one thing. I don't think this is courageous. Yeah, well, I mean, I, mean, I, like, I attacked committed a little bit because like you're you're copying out, right? You're saying I'm leaving the, the playing stage, right? I'm, I'm off stage. But and Josh is saying committed. So I mean, I'll concede the commitment, but I will not concede the courage point because courage is the positive virtue and like all virtues it's tied to the other virtues of fortitude justice temperance you can't have one without the other you can't be like a completely unjust person with no rational capacity and also be like but i was courageous that's that's not courage when you're not applying the the full like human intellect and the will and reason to the situation courage Courage it assumes that you have taken into account the best course of action through prudence, and it requires this extra level of bravery, right, of you. But this was this is maybe rashness. I mean, I'm going with more mental because of his upbringing. I mean, he was clearly damaged. Perhaps. 
Truly. But Josh, I won't what, concede I the current. Again, about what's, the story, what's your point, though, Josh? Think, I'm really curious. Okay, so, like, let's say you've got World War II, and there's a guy on the, you know, a battle between us and the Nazis somewhere in Germany or whatever, and this guy, our, one of our guys, heroically, like, grabs a gun and at total risk of his own life, you know, takes out a bunch of Germans and rescues some guys and brings them back. And it's like, oh, my gosh, dude, you, you're courageous. That you, you told, that was like a death mission and, and you did it. Like you had courage and you were committed. I mean, now switch it around. Let's say it was the opposite. It was a Nazi soldier who just was like, holy cow, I got to save my, my comrades who got captured by the Americans. I'm going to race against enemy fire, put my own life at risk to, to rescue eight of my comrades, my, you know, my not fellow Nazi guys. And, and, and what we would say is the action in of itself was extremely brave, risky, ballsy, as we would say. But the question is at, to what end? I mean, obviously he, if you're fighting for the Nazi regime, like that's horrible because they're promoters of evil. That, I mean, so I'm not trying to say like, you know, the what guy are you trying to say? Decide, well, I'm trying to say that the people who flew into our buildings in 9-11 were, were committed. They weren't timid wimps. They were evil. But boy, I mean, that takes some guts to do something that that dangerous. Now, of course, it's a suicide mission. So I don't I mean, this idea that a suicide mission is by copping out or being a wimp. I, I don't I don't know if it's wimp. I don't I just don't see it that way. I think what they're doing was profoundly evil, just like this guy setting himself on fire. The act itself of, of suicide for it's as a means to an end like i'm going to dispose of my life i'm going to kill myself in order to advance some cause i think that is not good i think that's immoral the catholic church is very clear about that so All i'm right. saying what so this I guy's think, doing is wrong but it's just like yeah. it's not like he's timid or wimpy i mean it's like it's just he's way off base off base i'll do i'll do oh, off base okay but yeah. i will interesting I don't know if the battlefield analogy with like soldiers going to risk their lives to to save other soldiers is going to work. But here's another comparison that definitely didn't work. So this is one of my favorite reactions. Time Magazine, right? Time Magazine comes out with, you know, we're, still, we have to... They're still around? Um, yeah. Did you know? Yeah. My um, my mother-in-law reads them. So yeah, Martyr... <laughs> Time I mean, Magazine Are they digital out. only or are they actually, do they still print on paper? I, mean, I, I think I don't you can even still know. buy it at like those newsstands in New York City because that's where their readership is. So I anyway. Know, I don't know where any bookstores are anymore. They're capitalizing on this Sorry. story because this is like, talk about B major Big Red. This is not New York Big Times. Red. This is Time oh, Magazine. Oh, Time Magazine. Yeah. Slight difference. Easy mistake, but... I would rather read New York Times, but we're going to go with Time Magazine. So we're going to say, yeah, there's Time, that one. They're capitalizing on the story because a man setting himself on fire and lots of images is clickbait. So they decide to offer to their readership a, a history of self-immolation. Oh. And in this history of self-immolation as political protest. They drop this, this article. Oh yeah, right. They drop this convenient little line about how early Christian martyrs under Diocletian also practiced self-immolation as a form of political protest because they threw themselves on the flames uh, of his burning palace when he was persecuting them. I'm going to just read this. This is, this is killing this, Christians Diocletian. Um, this is killing Christians Diocletian. They said, this oh, is a yeah. quote. Quote, self-immolation was also seen as a sacrificial act committed by Christian devotees. Is that what they're called now? Who chose to be burned alive when they were being persecuted for their religion by Roman Emperor Diocletian around 300 AD. So now Christian martyrdom and the political statement being made by men like Aaron Bushnell is on the same level. I just Can I set the historical record straight? I'm going to nerd out, geek out for a minute. Can Please I just do. do this? All right. So I go and I, I follow the rabbit hole. I click the link in time. And the link leads me to a, two, a 2012 New Yorker article by a quote-unquote expert who's not an expert who said that under the uh, persecution of Diocletian in Nicomedia, the Christians set fire to his palace and threw themselves on the flames in protest of his uh, political decision to murder them and their children. So they're just protesting. It turns out, that this is not even a contested historical ancient history fact. If you actually go and read any serious historian of the Diocletian persecution, Diocletian's own son Galerius set fire to that palace 
And Di mm. Galerius is this really crazy figure. You should look him up. He had like this weird STD that deformed his face and like made him crazy. It was probably like the French disease, but from 300 AD. Hard, so anyway, hardcore history with Erica. Hardcore history with Erica. So he he sets it on fire. He blames the Christians. And of course, Diocletian's like, sure, let's blame the Christians. And then he he intensifies this horrible, one of the last persecutions before Constantine. So for them to bring it this back, not only to report inaccurately on the historical consensus about what happened here, but also to compare Christian martyrs who love life, who, but who believe that it is better to accept death at the hands of your persecutors than to deny the living God. It, it's just unconscionable. It, I want to say it's ignorance, but this was like, laziness ignorance at best and just anti anti-catholic reporting quote unquote at worst so yeah, for anyone I mean, listening well, self-immolation is not martyr. their citation was like the 2012 article yeah that was their like, source if, if you want to give a history on self-immolation maybe don't cite articles from 2012 yeah <laughs> like maybe you should go into the history books a little bit i mean come on guys Whatever. i mean open a book y'all might yeah. be a much ask a little too much well my favorite part of it was uh Cornell West used the phrase uh, rest in power. Uh, Jill Stein. Jill Stein used it. No, well, C Cornell did too. Mm. Uh, but he's black, was, so it was okay. True, but <laughs> it's a commonly used phrase. But the problem with using that phrase, I guess, was that rest in power is only for black people. Apparently. Um, apparently. It says uh, rest in power is for black people. Black people have asked time and time again not to use this outside of the community. And every single time you do, this, of course, blew up like crazy. Um, Josh, I'm getting like a weird, I think it's from you. Sorry. There's like a weird background noise. Yeah, it's from you. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I just muted real quick. I don't know what that is. Um, but yeah. And then community notes quickly came back with, uh, it was actually attributed to a graffiti artist, Mike dream Francisco, who is a Filipino origin. Uh, of course, I mean, none of that matters, but I guess what <laughs> I thought of was even if you light yourself on fire, it's it's not good enough i, I like i it, it's so i don't know what would drive you to light yourself on fire is pretty crazy i know what comes to mind it's like the rage against the machine cover but like even the act of taking your own life in the most extreme of ways there's going to be people arguing about how we should honor that or what how it should be used or whatever um like nothing's good enough i don't know just just kind of leaves me tremendously sad that someone would think that's like the only way that they can make an impact and it does seem like he came from a very troubled past. So people are going to use it how they could. But I was like, oh, even lighting yourself on fire isn't good enough for some people. Uh, okay. So we move on now. Erica, you just came across the desk. You were excited about it. Uh, we got some <laughs> Supreme Court heads uh, here on the podcast. So the Supreme Court is, court is taking up a social media case. And so we've kind of now heard some questions from each of the justices and their takes and their directions. Uh, why did this, what's relevant about this case? Why should we really care about it? It's relevant to the loop cast. Um, yeah, absolutely. but why should the rest of the country care about it and what's going on? Right. I mean, I think to understand this was a case, the hearings were uh, Monday this week. So a few days ago, and it was it, the reason why it is so important to pay attention to this ruling is because the, here's the question that's being posed. And the question, it sounds a little academic. Can states prohibit social media companies from censoring the speech of their platform users? And your mind should go immediately to some stories that have been of choices like deplatforming Trump post January 6th, right? We had the shadow bans going on where people like weren't showing up on each other's feeds. We have the censorship of stories like the Hunter Biden laptop right before the 2020 election. And then we have the social media platforms being, like, oh, it's just the algorithm. Like we didn't do anything on purpose. Uh, and then, so so what we had in response to this was Florida and Texas passed legislation um, basically saying that social media platforms like Facebook, like Twitter at the time, now X, are more like telephone companies or wireless services that they should be required to, first of all, disclose how they censor or choose content. Um, or, well, and be subject to regulations about not censoring speech based on political viewpoints, religion, etc. So that's Florida and Texas's argument. And of course, they were challenged in court by the social media platforms. Um, the trade group that brought the suit is called NetChoice. 
And their argument is that these platforms, though they're more like newspapers, it's like the New York Times editorial board, and they can certainly make decisions about how they censor, what what content they uh, put out there, et cetera. So they're crying, you know, First Amendment rights is their argument. The the whole uh, Megan Basham over at Daily Wire did a great job covering this. So if you want more details, if you are also a Supreme Court nerd like me, you can go read her materials. But um, the arguments from NetChoice were kind of strange because on the one hand, they're arguing free speech. And on the other, they're w- making these dire warnings about if they're not allowed to censor, the American people are going to be hearing voices and these voices will be telling them to, you know, insurrection, overthrow the government, don't take that vaccine. Um, so they're, they're also sort of, there's too much free speech, but we also are resting our argument on free speech. And the justices uh, all seemed pretty skeptical about the Florida laws, actually, and the Texas laws. Can I ask, just before we get too deep into the technicals, do do you think it's appropriate? Should we be treating social media companies like public utilities, or should they be closer to an editorial board, in your opinion? Yeah, I... (sighs) I have been struggling with this, but I think Mercer has an opinion. (laughs) Josh, got thoughts? (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Congress passed the Communications Decency Act and didn't do much to stop indecency online. But the whole point of it was, as these organizations were setting up websites and stuff like that, there had to be an understanding. Because if you have the New York Times, you know, the New York Times has free speech and they don't have any obligation to print opinions of other people. That's true. So I could send a letter to the editor or submit an article and they could say, we're not going to publish this. Forget you. They're a publisher. They have free speech to promote whatever speech they want of their writers, their opinion editors. They can bring in whoever they want and say, we thought you'd be interested in this opinion. It isn't necessarily ours, but we want you to be aware of it. That's a publisher. That's what we think. And it's easier. Yeah, okay, newspaper. Okay, we get that. Mm-hmm. But even if you go to NewYorkTimes.com online, it's still the same way. It's like, we're not going to just publish whoever we want. We publish what we want. We have free speech. That's totally true. The question was, if you create these forums, like, you know, and you have to remember what this is before this law was passed before there was social media, but they had America Online and all that other kind of stuff. And so these tech like companies that wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. And you have forums and comment sections and all this kind of stuff where people are going to bring their own opinions. And they might post something in the comments, like a picture, like, hey, did you see this picture of President Clinton or whatever? And it might be a photo that's from like copyrighted photo. And so AOL is like, people are posting stuff that they may, that might be copyrighted material and we don't want to be on the hook. And so, so in order to have a good experience where people can exchange ideas and that kind of stuff, we need to identify us. We're just the platform. And if someone posts stuff, we say on our rules, you can't post stuff that's copyrighted or whatever. But if if it does get posted, you know, we don't want to be on the hook. So we need this law. Congress passes the law, says, okay, fine. You're not a publisher. Like, because if the New York Times publishes a photo that they don't have the copyright for, they're on the hook. New York Times has to pay money for it. So they passed this law and established the idea that you can have a platform where you allow users to post content. And if that content is copyrighted material, for example, that AOL isn't going to be on the hook for it. Why is this important? It created a a new era, like in the late 90s, all through this first part of the 21st century, where you could have platforms where people could express anything they wanted to, forums comment sections, all of a sudden it blew up into social media, a whole new idea. Social media with Twitter, Facebook, that stuff, YouTube would not be possible if you didn't have this law that clearly protected public uh, companies saying, I'm not a publisher of content. This is not my stuff. I'm allowing users to publish their own stuff. However, we're a platform. And so the idea then is you allow users to get on there and post what they want to, so long as it's not copyrighted material. And so, and the one exception would be, you don't go on there with a bunch of hatred in, in the sense of like, I want all Jews or all blacks to die. And so you're saying that these companies are trying to have it both ways. There's only a slice of it. So, so insofar as they're saying, we're going to not control content and let any users get on there and say whatever they want to, that's fine. And 
they also say, well, we want to make sure AOL is a good experience. So if we have some neo-Nazis coming on saying, kill all Jews, that would be a horrible experience. Jews would be like, is this a safe place for me to be? And so it's understood that that kind of language is acceptable to kick those people off. So AOL could kick them off. And same thing with Twitter and Facebook. That's always been the understanding that if you go on there and say all all people, all whites should die, all blacks should die, whatever, you could kick those guys off because it's a, it's a bad behavior. The problem in the last five years is that they've taken this to a whole nother level. They've said, if you believe that marriage is between a man and woman, you're kicked off. If exactly. you say, hey, right. you know, Caitlyn Jenner might have a different name, but he's still a man. You get kicked off. You know, oh, I don't think this COVID vaccine is such a great idea. You get kicked off. That last one is even the most egregious because you can't even say, well, being mean to trans people is like being racist to blacks. You could, it, I think that's a very tenuous baloney argument. But like the, you brought up the COVID vax, that's perfect. You say, mm-hmm. I'm not so sure this is a great idea to have the COVID vax, and you get kicked off. So I think that's a major problem. And that's why if Twitter is and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube is, are, are saying, wait a minute now, you can't post that video anymore that's skeptical of COVID. Or in the case of Catholic Vote, we put up a video on YouTube talking about why we think abortion is bad. And what does YouTube do? They put a whole Flag. paragraph on there about abortion. Hey, this, just so you know, Healthcare. Links on a, here's, a, here's a, <laughs> links on this stuff, which is completely counter to us. And so this is right. an example of YouTube, which claims it's a platform based on the, the, the that law that was passed in the late 90s, Communications Decency Act. YouTube's like, we're a platform. We're allowing users to post whatever they want to. But we post something, Catholic Vote posts something on abortion and you... flag it with a bunch of other information that's completely horrible and evil and we have no recourse like could you not put that on there please that's not our opinion right can i ask then to because all this comes down to like pulling the levers of the algorithms of like what gets boosted what gets taken down and i know the hunter biden laptop story was big that was complete censorship but i think a lot of people from the conservative side of the aisle argue well they're just pulling levers and they're not being transparent about why they're pulling the lever levers, why they're showing something, why they're not showing something. And I believe this case basically would ensure that there's transparency as to like, yes, we chose to like throttle this. Here's the reasons we chose to throttle it. It'd be publicly available. I think Twitter started off with a public mission of like, hey, we're going to be open source. We're going to be very transparent about what performs well, what doesn't perform well, why it does right. show what's going on under the hood. Yeah. Then the uh, FBI I think, got involved. Remember that? Exactly. Face Facebook and Google are yet Twitter. to do so. I think they they still are not showing what's under the hood. They're not showing why something does well, why something doesn't. Um, this would basically right. ensure that they would have to, basically. Right, and that was part of the Texas law was that these algorithms have to be explained in language users can understand so that they know at, le- you know, at least they know why their content's being shadow banned or it's not getting the visibility that they thought it would. Um, but yeah, Meta with Zuckerberg has not been particularly transparent. Something else that was left out during the arguments, NetChoice uh, left out the fact that it has been established that these platforms are not just, you know, free speech, allowing everything to come and go. It's actually they've been influenced by the federal government. So it was established that the FBI was involved in um, in actually paying Twitter. I mean, this is from Elise Stefanik's investigation. I mean, we think over millions, millions of taxpayer dollars, 3.4 million taxpayer dollars to censor these stories. So there's also the confounding factor that it's not just these companies being like, leave us alone, let us do what we're doing because we're editorial boards, but they're actually being influenced by agents of the federal government in really sensitive right. stuff. So, or, or big lobbyist groups. I mean, like the first thing that comes to mind, right. of course, is like, rampant internet pornography a lot of times illegal underage uh, revenge porn type pornography promoted by all these organizations because they're bought by big lobbyist groups but then as soon as someone says "Eh, i'm not sure about the vaccine bam that's gone as fast as possible (laughs) so if anything like the power of these companies to moderate their content is has been proven to be successful they're successful in moderating what they want to moderate so Mm -hmm. i could see like definitely good faith arguments of like you need to be transparent about why you're moderating what you do because your moderation is so selective. Um, and then the argument for like social media and or the internet being a public good, a public utility now is kind of the de facto public square of how we communicate. It actually would be against the First Amendment right to be able to not say what you want to say 
Um, not just, of course, what Josh said, what was understood before, but now when it's coming to like very common sense, actually life-threatening, life-altering, if you want to talk about the, the gender care stuff, oh my gosh, like Abigail Schreier well, was just talking about how her book's taken down everywhere. You're not able to talk about that. Megan Murphy was banned from social media for saying men can never be women. I mean, mm -hmm. these are like actually life-threatening things if you're going to talk to children about that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, and, the, and the, again, the problem is it makes you wonder why I mean, these um, companies are so big, like YouTube is massive. And and I, I, this is what I love about the liberals. They're always concerned about big businesses and getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So you would think that the liberals then, if they're so against big companies, why would they allow Google to buy YouTube? YouTube is like the number two search engine in the world. There's so many videos, so much time, so many people send stuff there. Why would they allow that? Why would they allow Facebook to buy Instagram? It's like, you know, so you're just these these power companies are getting bigger and bigger. Apple, Amazon, Google, Microsoft. They're, it's just they're like basically the, their the own country power and wealth. Yeah, their own it used to be liberals were yeah. talking about this for decades, generations of how horrible the big businesses. But suddenly, if they're all run by liberals, oh, it's OK now. So we will see what happens there. But I have to uh, butt in now. We have the Imagine a Million Loopers campaign. Guess what? We are like right there. We are at. Nine hundred and thirty-nine thousand three hundred four dollars, uh, two thousand four hundred ninety donations. Really incredible. Um, we're going to be there really soon. If you want to help us get to the top, if you want to help us reach a million loopers, uh, now's the time to get involved. The place to do that is loopcast <laughs> at catholicvote.org. No, it's actually, yeah, it's loopcast.org, I believe. Right, loopcast.org. You got it. <laughs> loopcast.org. Reading live ads always fun. Uh, so loopcast.org. If you want to help us out, it will be in our description. Take a look at the campaign right here. Want to help us out? You like the loop cast? You like the loop? We appreciate everything that you guys have contributed. Nothing is possible without you. So uh, we move on now to <laughs> so Biden, late night Biden, as I've coined it. Late night Biden. He went on the late night show with uh, Seth Meyers. And he had some interesting things to say. Uh, I don't know if Big Red, if you want to pull up any of it. Uh, it wasn't fun to listen to. Uh, Gave you a timestamp there for a really good one. Yeah, the laugh tracks <laughs> were interesting. Um, yeah, go ahead. Run, laugh that. tracks? I don't know. It might be I think the audience way. wanted to laugh. Sorry. First thing go. they do, dictators do, is they disregard whatever the rule of law is. They just disregard it. Here's he the guy not. who says he wants to, he thinks he can change the Constitution and ignore it. Just ignore portions of the Constitution. Here's the guy who talks about retribution. Here's the guy. Look, you have the guys, the thousands of people who stormed the Capitol, stormed the Capitol. They're insurrections. Two cops died. Other people were badly here. And what did he say? They got convicted and or they pled guilty. And he said they're patriots. God, patriots. And he says he's going to forgive them all. He's going to you're going to. Every one of them is going to be released. What is? I mean, that that that's what happens in Eastern European countries. That's not what happens in America. Where and what the idea? What? <laughs> okay. Can the we idea, just? He talks about things like. All right. Pause. Okay. So one might think, oh, he's talking about Trump, but if you listen really carefully, he's actually just talking about himself, right? Like. <laughs> What happens in Eastern European countries, you get you get put away in prison for dozens and dozens of years for showing up at a protest, a political protest. Oh, my gosh, I could go on and on. But just he's just describing himself, like overrun the Constitution. Well, he just ignored the Supreme Court ruling on affirmative action and was like, I'm going to forgive the dead anyway. That was uh -huh. the first thing that came to mind. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm just going to ignore the Supreme Court. Ignore the rule of law. That's <laughs> well, ignore Congress, too. If Congress really cared about that, they could have passed a the law. They didn't. Mm -hmm. um yeah dude, Doing yeah. Job. retribution I, like 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 raiding j6 people's houses for like raiding mark Houck's home yeah talk about retribution <sighs> Eastern <laughs> european countries sometimes i feel like I i'm kinda... living the impressive life. part was he did put together i think that was three full sentences they were all in a row i mean i want i want oh. footage from someone who is there live like if someone was there live and they probably take phones right Cause there'd be, I would love to see if they had to do like retakes or stuff like that. Cause they just they have to at this point. There's no way the age stuff's getting bad. It was but the audience is all in on it. The, I mean, who's going to go see Biden in a New York city studio late night show. 
it's it's not going to be anyone driving a pickup truck okay so i mean come on it's all going to be people who are going to be barking like seals to show their support give me a break yeah and if you watch if you watch the beginning of the clip so what they what they did was seth myers and amy poehler who are very funny people like they're funny people seth myers and amy uh, poehler uh, they were uh. <laughs> parks and rec come on man so anyway Amy Poehler's there and they're like, they bring him out and everyone stands and claps. They do show, they pan the audience and everyone's like clapping like crazy. People are weeping. They're so, it's Joe Biden. He's coming out. And as he comes out, he's like doing the shuffle, the, the grandpa shuffle. And then all of a sudden he like straightens up a little bit and he does this little like hop kick thing. And then he just keeps shuffling and it, like, he was totally told, okay, halfway across the stage, you need to do a little hop <laughs> kick so that they know you have energy and you're youthful. And it was just it's like, all of the guys. Go back to bed. Did you see? So, did you guys see the? Uh, speaking of uh, therapy for liberals, did you see that Doctor Phil went on the View? Yes. I don't know if you guys missed that one, but yeah, Doctor Doctor Phil one. goes on the View and is talking about how like all of the science is pointing to like devastating learning loss for kids who had basically no exposure to COVID. There's there's no risk to them being in school. Actually, the risk was much higher of them not being at school. And about how the reporting on domestic violence stopped. Um, during COVID as well. And this was all, of course, the handiwork of teachers' unions. And man, the view, the that was the fastest <laughs> I've seen someone be like, well, they were trying their best. You know, they were saving lives. Safe. Did you say there was no kids that that died from COVID? He's like, that's not what I'm saying. He's like, but all of the all of the relevant like relevant science basically said there's no reason for them to not be in school. If anything, they should be in school. It'd be much better for them. And, yeah. yeah, and then he got claps. He got claps from the crowd. And this is the view. Yeah. If you're, who, yeah. Josh, what kind of car do people drive that that go to the view? Definitely not pickup trucks. They maybe, drive electric vehicles, or they take yeah. the, the <laughs> they take the subway, right? Subway, yeah, they take the subway. Definitely not trucks. So, mm-hmm, yeah, it's interesting mm-hmm. to see the late night circuit. Really, I think Jimmy Kimmel is also stepping down after this, and. I I put up something like Aaron Rodgers has now successfully destroyed the uh, the Jets 2023 season, COVID, and Jimmy Kimmel's career with the uh, Epstein yes. Island talk. So, <laughs> all good stuff. Is that right? Is he out? Is Kimmel on the way out? He's yeah. He said he's not gonna um, he's not gonna continue. I think at the end of his contract. Wonder who the next show will be. Did, did, did he used to be funny? Is that uh, right no? He not was never really, funny. No. One. no. Okay. No. And he did blackface. You he know, tried really hard. Like, <laughs> he, he did do blackface. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who's, who would you say is like, what, is there anyone now who's not funny who actually used to be funny? Uh, all of them. <sighs> That's hard. Stephen Colbert I mean, had moments of the Colbert show, like back in 2000. Oh, Josh, Josh is saying no. <laughs> very early, no. there were moments. No. Okay. I think John Stewart was the only of the the current guys who does mm-hmm. the whole mocking, you know, that actually had some elements of humor and comedy to him. Because I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've he seen him good. do stuff that's not political, that's funny, and even some of the political stuff, like he did the stand-up routine, you know, opening for SNL back in the day, you know, back when the marriage fight was going on, and I remember listening to him. I thought this is funny and devastating for our cause, and I was, you know, <laughs> it was unfortunate. Uh, but that was about it. And then after that, it just becomes like, look at this. This is stupid. Ah, laugh and ridicule yeah. and mock it. And that's not actually humor. It's just kind of I dumb. thought um, I thought Conan, Conan still to me still is pretty funny. I thought he was he's been funny, but he's not like the of the ilk, I guess, of like he's a little bit more off Broadway, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um but Jimmy Fallon, I do Jimmy Fallon. I cannot stand him. Never been able to stand him. There's a period of time where people liked him, which I was like, this is unbelievable. And then quickly the only time I like him is when he does the music stuff with Paul Rudd. That's kind of funny, but that's about it. I, I got YouTube clips for that. I don't need to watch him. the show. Yeah. Wait. So what? So was there a time where late night television was actually like worth turning and in, tuning into? I think people talk about that era of like Johnny yeah, Carson. Of or... Yeah. I like Johnny Carson. I liked. Uh, I like Leno. Uh, Letterman was, he was really all right, yeah. near the end, but he was mm-hmm. funny back in the day. Letterman always creeped me out. I was just, <laughs> I just, as a young, a young high schooler watching Letterman, I'd be like, that guy has creeps. Yeah. That was not yeah. funny. He's creepy. I give you that. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No Johnny Carson. So, uh, yeah, we got Twilight Zone now. Josh, uh, you're a Democrat. Is this what I hear? <laughs> 
Did you do it? All right. Now, I voted. Yeah, yeah I did vote this week. Uh, the last one, I was going back and forth. Should I grab a Democratic ballot? Should I grab a Republican ballot? Here's the thing. In Michigan, the primary, there was a big push for uh, the Democrats to, uh, especially those who are upset at Biden's uh, stance on Israel. They wanted to encourage Democrats to come out and vote and, and cast a vote for uncommitted, which is on the ballot itself. It's always on the ballot for Democrats. And I think in uh, there's like three states back in 2012 that uh, that delegates were actually awarded to uncommitted, like in Kentucky and Ohio or something like that, because Barack Obama didn't win on, by enough to win all of the delegates because so, so many people were upset. Those ancestral Democrats have been voting Republican, by the way, since then pretty much. So I'm like, okay, but this that's not gonna be the case now. Like, but it, it, it raises a question: if a lot of Democrats in the Dearborn area, where there's a large Arabic population, they're very upset about Biden's pro-Israel stance. They're gonna the the thought here is that they they voted uncommitted. I think one in six Democrats, yeah, at the Mich in the Michigan primary voted for uncommitted. So that's not that's an insignificant that, number. Yeah. And the, and the question is, is it just a protest vote in, in November? They'll still vote for Biden. That remains to be seen. A lot of them might just stay home. Even if they don't vote for Trump, they may just stay home. And that might, might be a difference. I really think my home state here of Michigan, where I live, is going to be the tipping point state in the 2024 election. Whoever wins Michigan is going to be the next president of the United States. And, and this is going to be huge. Democrats are probably going to be freaking out now. And like, how can we be more pro-Hamas to try to get the, this vote block you know, 100,000 voters in suburban Detroit. How can we get them back into the fold? And I mean, that's why, you know, President Biden and his administration are trying to get a ceasefire as fast as possible. That's probably why that guy set himself on fire. It's like, we need to yeah. end this war as soon as we can. Um, so did I vote uncommitted just to kind of increase that number? I, I was tempted, Erica, but at the last second. Ah. Ah, lame. This is bad ballot. for content. This is horrible for content. You should have done it for content. I, I, I just couldn't resist voting against Nikki Haley. Yeah, <laughs> we knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a simple man. I don't know. Yep. I don't know up by you, Andrzejewski, but that Metro Detroit area, area, speaking from experience, Trump has thrown some ragers there. Like, there's been some. In, were you at the ragers is that the i wish i wish <laughs> i knew people that went and it was insane i think there was one in like washington township romeo that's like like total bullseye for for trump people like a lot of trump people there oh but man like i think my me. dad went no but, tom hold on did you hear what okay so dean phillips is the congressman from minnesota it's actually my he my parents district and he's running for president on the Democratic line. He's getting nowhere, right? No one's doing anything. He campaigned at one stop in New Hampshire. We joked about this before. <laughs> yeah, donuts, yeah. coffee. No one showed up, right? Poor Dean. So then he's campaigning, and he goes, I actually, we should find this tape. He goes, I'm campaigning. And then I'm like, wow, I got to look, and there, there's a big Trump event. So he's like, oh, what the heck? He goes in line and starts, he said, I chatted with like 50 of these people. Just, hey, well, what, you know, what are you doing? You know, have you always voted Republican? Do you always go to these kind of rallies? Did you vote for Trump last time? He goes, he was amazed. He yeah. goes, first of all, a lot of these people were first time voters. They had never voted Republican before. They didn't even vote for Trump last time. They're just like, I don't know, something about this guy. I, I think he's onto something. And so Dean Phillips was like warning Democrats, like, dude, you know, you guys, you think this is all just a joke. <laughs> it was great. Like, this he guy, had an epiphany. He's getting the crowds. <laughs> It's great. No, that's interesting. The crowds are very interesting at Trump rallies because the way that it's painted is like, oh, these people are all insane, mega nationalists, right? and uh, they turn out to be very diverse. Like I, I don't know. I've I've seen the crowds myself. I know people have been there. Just total ragers, total ragers. And then they bring out like Ted Nugent. Everyone gets fired up. It's like, come on, now. Trump <laughs> knows how to throw a good party. Let's put it that way. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Michigan in 2016 surprised a lot of people. Didn't completely surprised me because there was so much momentum for him in the metro detroit area that i was observing um, but you always in michigan you're gonna have to deal with detroit flint and lansing right are the big uh three blue kind of strongholds for some reason i have no idea why they elected That's gretchen whitmer she is I mean, the, the worst right. yeah the worst gretchen whitmer made my least favorite governor in america maybe even above gavin newsom because gavin newsom gets 
more flack than she does. She kind of like skirts behind him as the worst, but I think she's worse. Personally. She does the damage though, right? Oh, anyway. So we move on now to mine. Uh, Big Red. Okay. I'm going to need this one played. Uh, this is a little bit risky because I just saw it before this podcast, but the governor of Athens is now speaking on Lake and Riley. Mayor, yeah. The mayor, mayor, yeah, I'm guessing. Basically, basically the gist. So he gets up there and he's like, look, I've gone over the data. Uh, There's no correlation here between uh, illegal immigration and this murder. Um, And as he's saying it, you can hear people in the crowd like audibly upset, yelling at Mm -hmm. him like this is because and then he goes on to say, you know, I've worked through four administrations and uh trump has no one like no one has ever talked about immigrants the way that trump has talked about them demonizing them yada 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 it's just so infuriating to me that you would take the time as the mayor of a town that just experienced the first homicide in athens in like 30 years and instead of acknowledging the fact that he is an illegal immigrant that he shouldn't have been here and that our community would have been safer if this man wasn't in there he went to like bashing Trump in data. Like that's just bad, horrible leadership for up top. But I mean, as a citizen, this is the easiest way for me to say you are never going to be anywhere near political power ever again. Like this is the, this is the type of thing that rallies people to kick people out of office, but like unbelievably tone deaf. Um, I I saw something the other day, like why aren't conservative governors, like Republican governors just um, deporting illegal immigrants right now? using this momentum to be like, yeah, they shouldn't be here. Gone. I, I, this is like the easiest. Right. If you can who's bust them stop to New York, you? why can't you put them on a plane? Right. Who's going to stop from Nicaragua? There's sanctuary cities that Venezuela. aren't cooperating with ICE and nothing's being done about that. Like, okay, so the federal government is spineless and has, has no authority to enforce their own laws. So like, all right, gone. I'm going to make my community safer. Like the fact that this guy is not saying those things right now is completely infuriating. If I was a resident of Athens, I would be just as upset and I would like move towards like potential impeachment. I mean, this is like the biggest abdication of leadership and tone deafness I've seen in a long time. Just completely infuriating. No other way around it. It's crazy. Did you see the update to the story too? So the Ibarra, the man who murdered the girl in uh, Georgia, his brother was just arrested. Uh, His biological brother, I believe in New York state for assaulting a child it just keeps going it keeps going well the greatest update to this is venezuela is blocking immigrants from coming back in their country so people (laughs) that immigrated to the u.s they block flights they won't take them back back. they won't take them back huh i wonder why yeah maybe the mayor of athens missed that update we we know why tom do you see that we reported on this at catholic vote that the Mm -hmm. uh, like four or five years ago venezuela was talking about the epidemic of so many people so many murders and and now they just had a like within the last year they said gosh murder rates are down to like a 20 year low yeah because you've exported them all you kicked them out and told them to go up to our, the united states of america what well, I, you have to laugh it's like insane like why would we allow this to happen to our country where we bring them in like this it's allow this to happen i think that's the point it's like and i've seen a lot of this with the tucker russia conversation then also with what's going on in el salvador there's people like john stewart who are basically conditioning americans to think to expect less or to, to expect lower standards of living than they have to. No one is telling you you have to live in a place where there's undocumented people that could murder your daughter. Right. You don't have to live that way. El Salvador, you did, they did not have to live completely dominated by gang violence at all times and fear for their lives. Someone came, they solved the problem, they threw them in jail, and they made El Salvador free again, the safest country in the Western Hemisphere. And you still have people that are mad at him about that. We can do that. I don't that care here, how people. he did it. We could do that here. Uh, same with Tucker in Russia. He's like, oh my gosh, they have nice grocery stores and they have nice subways. Um, subways. It's like, well, at least we have free speech here. It's like, oh, so I have the freedom to get murdered on a dirty, ugly, crime ridden subway. We could we have don't both, have to live John that way. We, right. we could have yeah. both. It's like this weird scarcity thinking that is somehow infecting everyone's mind. It's just driving me crazy. You do not have to accept this. And in reality, that's what these uh, residents of Georgia, Athens, Georgia should do. They don't have to accept this idiot who's not willing to protect their own community or even speak to the truth of the matter that he was killed by someone who should never have been here in the first place. You don't have to accept that. That's the beauty of politics. It's like once you get involved, that's how real change happens. But like no one should ever tell you to expect 
to, to be okay with this as a standard. This is not the right. standard of America. It never was. It's this weird infection that's happened over the past, I don't know, 10 years. But like, no, we don't have to live this way. No one should tell you, you should live that way. Amen. Preach it. <sighs> Done. All right. Mercer, neutral zone. All right. So I, interesting story in the Atlantic. About oh, no. This, uh, <laughs> biologist David Gruber. Okay, he's he's convinced that we can communicate with whales. And so he got his project has got, you know, raised like thirty three million dollars for this this high tech effort to learn the language of the whales. I know this sounds like a Star Trek movie, it's like right? Pocahontas. It's lovely. Right. So they're communicating it. And then so then this writer's like, so, you know, what would we. I, I, he's, the reporter said, I asked Gruber himself, what what would he say to the whales? He said he would be taking requests. Most people tell him we should start with saying sorry for the bloody rampage that was industrial whaling. <laughs> so, sorry for the he agrees. whaling. He said, just... we, we pulled the oil out of the animal's heads. We used it to make lipstick. Perhaps now we can atone. And, 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 I mean, it's just like. What? Uh, Char Charlotte Josh. Dunn, president. Par Charlotte Dunn, president. Josh, of the what would you say, Marine. though? What would you say to whales if we if we had this? What would your first thing be? Uh, where can I find some good something well, good to eat in the ocean? I, mean, I don't know. Right? <laughs> you probably know, right? Where's the best baleen or what are they? The I mean, baleen like, teeth. <laughs> but it's just it's just kind of funny, like how for the you know at the left, any advancement in technology is just another opportunity to apologize for all of our historical sins. Any discovery, that's it's just the same script for these guys. And, and what cracks me up about this is like, what what is the assumption here? Like that whales are just like, you know, <laughs> five-year-old girls are just so peaceful. All they want to do is play with toys. Like, what if they're fascists? Like, what if you find out <laughs> they're horrible? They're horrible. Like, I mean, this idea that they're just, oh, they're so, all the, it's humans that are bad and everything else is so, you know, happiness and sunshine. Like that first, that first whale totally is racist. Like Right. That first whale is going to come up and be like, honestly, I've been triggered ever since someone named us killer whales. Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> We're pacifists. Or maybe they'd be like, thanks, um, man. That, that, that gives street cred down that's here. That's a sick know, name. Yeah, mess that's with us anymore. <laughs> wow, man. The humans that's, call us killer. You watch out. You know what you do what they do. We're killers. The, you know? the sperm whales are like, what the heck? Where did, where's my killer whale? A sperm whale? Like, you call me a sperm <laughs> whale? I, I could have been a killer whale. You went there, Erica. Wow. I did because I'm the female. Man. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> could ask him about our boy Jonah. What happened, dude? Yeah, what's you just swallowed him. How'd he get out? I don't know. I was the whale's like, I was hungry. Okay. You know, like, can you, can you follow me? <laughs> like, hey, man, I get it. Wow. That's an interesting thought. Like, if all of a sudden we could communicate with people, think about that with dogs all the time, right? Like, what do you think dogs would be like? They'd be kind of chill. I mean, what, if, what if the whales did say that? Like, or the, yeah, dogs, like, why are you guys all suddenly so gay? Like, what is the deal yeah. with the <laughs> 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 Who knows? <laughs> Or more than likely, it'll probably be just like ball, 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 ball. Yeah, ball, exactly. Food, it's ball, <laughs> ball. Like, that, that would just warm my heart. Great. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, it would be just like I know it's just weird. Like, uh, we, we live in a culture. Cute animals don't you know don't be cruel to cute animals, but you know. And now I this whole vegetarian thing, like oh, can't eat meat. It's like what? Are you kidding me? Climb to the top of the food chain, and I'm gonna not eat chickens and cows. Give me a break. People are weird. <laughs> people are weird people and maybe, are weird. maybe that's where we uh we round this one off Ooh. so if you want to uh join in the fun 11 a.m eastern time monday wednesday friday we will be on here come hang out with us uh, if you want to support us uh loopcast at catholicboat.org is where you can email me uh if you want to leave us a review spotify apple Podcasts, subscribe to the youtube like it it'd be pretty sweet uh so we will see you guys josh and i are doing the consecration episode friday uh see if tom survives lent challenge impossible uh but we pray saint thomas more or later guadalupe saint fidelis pray for us and we'll see you guys in the next one peace <laughs>